Welcome back, podcast listeners. We're here with episode 80. Unfortunately, it's back to just Tony and I in the chair today after some wonderful guests in the past few weeks. Uh, and there's been some great feedbacks with the guests that we've added to some really intriguing stories um, and different in their own right. But Tony, you really did enjoy the last few weeks, haven't you? I have, absolutely. So it's, um, I mean, you know, speaking to a, yeah, Lars, who's a founder of an ASX, a co-founder of an ASX listed company and the, you know, the, the entire journey that he went on to get the business to where it is today was really exciting. And of course, uh, speaking to my friend, Craig, uh, she from technical investing who specializes in doing, you know, specialized investment work for family offices. Um, and, you know, where he thought the markets were going as well. And we share very much the same beliefs as well. So that also helps. Uh, I like to be challenged, but, um, you know, Craig and I, I do, I do very much trust his judgment as well. He's, um, you know, 30 odd years of wonderful experience. Uh, so yeah, they, they were really illuminating to speak to really enjoyed it. Yeah, so look, today what we're going to discuss, um, we are going to touch on the election in the US. You're not going to talk politics as we normally state in here, but you will, uh, I guess you will discuss what's going on over there and just the way that we're viewing the markets at the moment within our clients' portfolios. Um, I know you've been doing a ton of work lately um, and there's plenty going on and I guess there's plenty of directions that the world can go with this election that's coming up. Yeah, it's interesting because there is, you know, when... This is probably the most, uh, and maybe it's the world of social media that we live in today, even compared to 2016 or 2012. Uh, but there's certainly a lot more opinions uh, being given about the uh, the upcoming election. And, and obviously, you know, Trump, uh, there doesn't seem to necessarily be middle grounds with him. You either love him or hate him. And, um, and of course, some of the yeah, stuff yeah, coming out just, about Joe have, Biden. You have recently... You have recently signed up to Twitter, so you'll be seeing a lot more idiots out there. Oh, no. Oh, no, I'm, I'm very careful on who I follow, and I don't bother reading comments. <laughs> so, 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 yes, I have signed up to Twitter, uh, but I'm, uh, I, I think I'm only following three people. I think Willard's one. So, so, uh, so, yeah, but, no, but in saying that, though, it is, you know, it's, it's definitely polarizing uh, the two candidates this time round, and and who should win. And the the interesting thing that comes out of social media, though, Jamie, which I do actually quite enjoy, is you know the the debate between Biden and Trump was an absolute farce. Uh, it was like a schoolyard punch up, you know. So it was an absolute farce. Um, Feel like I've had conversations like that. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, but it's very rare the <laughs> conversation like that in the pub doesn't end up going to blows. <laughs> so it's, um, but it, it was actually quite farcical. But one of the things that does come out, which uh, uh, with social media, which I think is good, is the amount of times uh, both candidates uh, went and went back on things they said just you know weeks ago. You know, so you know we'll. No, and it came down to a whole lot of things, you know, so sometimes we all know the politicians can say things to win an election, but won't necessarily implement what they say, uh, but they say whatever is popular. Uh, but when they've gone and said the exact opposite, uh, you know, just three months earlier, or when, they, when you know, when Biden and Camilla Harris were actually uh, debating each other <laughs> on who was going to try and, and win. So, 
Yeah, they, they weren't very complimentary or nice to each other in those debates. So it, it is really interesting, but it, it is cause for concern on a global scale, uh, this election, without any doubt. And of course, there's been a lot of civil unrest in the US over the last six months uh, for a whole range of yep. reasons. Obviously, Black Lives Matter, um, the, you know, the current rallies that they've got going on and, and you know, the, yes, the, yeah, it's a coronavirus, of course. Uh, so it, it's been really horrid time in the US and the bushfires also, you know, don't forget the bushfires in California being absolutely devastating coming, you know, yeah, coming from, past, yeah. coming, yeah, coming from Australia. We certainly know about that devastation. We, we had our own, uh, you know, horrendous, I think the most horrendous in history bushfires last summer. Um, so it's, uh, so we understand all that. So there's been a lot going on in the US, obviously. Yeah. So I guess with all that happening um, and the election coming up, I guess, how are you seeing the US and how are you looking at it from an investment point of view? Well, we sent out an email to clients, uh, I think it was last week or the week before on, yeah, oh, yeah well, last, last week. Yeah, and what we, on our thoughts, so certainly not in our predictions of who yeah. win the election, but on what our thoughts were that if either side was to win the election. So uh, tried to obviously be as uh, partisan as possible on that, uh, not giving away any of our perceived biases uh, towards any, any um, yeah. outcome. But if uh, the Democrats won what we believed would happen and if Trump wins what we believe would happen. And in regards to the markets, we don't see in the short term anything, oh, in short term, there'll be volatility. There always is. Uh, even even in the bull market, you have daily volatility. So there'll definitely be volatility. I mean, last time Trump won, no one expected it. And of course, the uh, market went absolutely through the roof, um, except yeah. for healthcare, of course, uh, which got smashed because he said he was going to dismantle Obamacare. So, so based based on uh, based on that, it's it's hard to tell which way the markets will go. But we're, we're taking away the short-term volatility. You can't go and make drastic changes. So, for example, um, at the debate, uh, Biden did come out and say he will he will cancel. Um, uh, sorry, I just had a, a call come there, Jamie. So it's uh, but Biden said he will cancel. Um, you know, Trump's um, tax changes that he made. Now. If, yep. if that was to occur, if they're going to increase the company tax rates again in the US and substantially increase it, that will affect employment, that will affect a whole range of things. But that's not something that he, you can, unless you have such a clear majority in both houses, that's not something that he can just come in and say, that's it, we're changing. You know, it's not like living under Dan Andrews where he can make his own rules. <laughs> so it's, uh, but the basis of it is, is that he, you know, he can't do that. So, I, I, and also too, one of, the, one of the big questions being raised is how long will it take to actually get a result of this election? Unless it is so clear cut uh, that it's ridiculous, um, how long would it actually take with all these postal votes and, and everything else going on? So it could be a good couple of months uh, before we even know a result of the election. It could be immediate if it's a whitewash, either way. Um, yep. So. So I, our answer in that email was a bit sort of sitting on the fence, but that doesn't mean that we're not very careful on where we invest in the US. So we like the US as an investment perspective, yeah. but we're obviously very careful where we invest in the US. 
Yeah, so we, with that, we're picking certain sectors uh, and there's certain companies that you'd like. Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so it's, um, I think I think the best example you can give is to use um, Morningstar's wide motor analogy. So it's, um, and, it, and it's something that we certainly believe. So if you have a look in, in the US, some of the concerns that we have, you know, even if we were two years away from another election, some of the concerns we have in the US uh, is that unemployment is is up in the US, but it's only up due to uh, coronavirus. It's not up due to a bad economy, you know, economy that's been hit by the GFC, etc. cetera. Uh, so yeah. when you actually have a look at the large companies in the US, they are still hiring. So they, they've, got, they've got massive employment and they're still hiring out there um, no matter who wins. So they're doing it now. They're not waiting to see if Biden or Trump win. They're actually doing that now. So, so I think, I think um, moving forward, the, you know, whoever wins, employment is still going to be coming back. And a lot of these companies will be opening up again. And when they open up, they, you know, they don't have JobKeeper like we have, but people will be being re-employed again, especially in manufacturing areas and things like that. The, of course, in the US, though, the big thing is is the massive stimulus that they've done in the US. So to put that amount of money that they have back into the economy to be able to spur on the economy, and of course, if you spur on spending, uh, companies make profits, companies make profits, uh, you've got employment, uh, unemployment is negligible uh, in all sectors of the community. Uh, so the more people earn, the more people spend. It's just, it's just, you know, it's, it's the world, the capital capitalist world that we live in. Um, so the, the thing is, is that when you're looking at that, what company should you invest in? So if we looked at the S and P 500 as an example, even just from when, uh, coronavirus uh, first came into play, it's of course it's, it, you had some of the biggest drop daily drops and biggest daily gains, uh, in history, but, one of the things in there, though, is not every U.S. company was gaining momentum. So, of course, we all know about the FANG the Fang stocks, your Facebooks and Amazons and uh, Alphabet slash Google, Netflix, uh, Netflix um, et cetera. So if you actually have a look at those companies, they have all gone up in value, but there's a whole sector in the S&P 500 index that actually hasn't. So if you stripped out the top, basically, 10 companies in the U.S., the market has been sort of stagnated, uh, basically. The exact opposite in Australia, it's the mid caps uh, that have performed really well in Australia, but the top 10 companies have been, with the exception of some of the mining, the top 10 companies have been, you know, just performing horrendously. So it's, um, so one of the major concerns we have, Jamie, is, and thus we're not investing in that sector, is that you have a lot of companies at the moment, commonly known as unicorns, so billion dollar plus valuations, that you have a look at their multiple of time earnings, times earnings, and I'm still sort of scratching my head thinking, don't get it. You know, so, and I'll throw my hand up and say Tesla, you know, so as, a, as a classic example. Mentioned a few times on this podcast. It has been, and you know, it's, a, it's not that it's a bad company, I just question evaluation. So it's, um, yeah. but it's, it's that, it's now we do have exposure because we've got exposure to NASDAQ 100. So it's um, now in saying that though, there are companies that you do have a look at their debt positions. And when you have a look and say, well, they're profitable as an example, all their profit is going towards paying off the debt. 
So all it takes now is interest rates to rise in the US. Now the US Fed have said they're not considering even looking at raising interest rates to 2023. If we get a spike of inflation, interest rates will be put under pressure to rise. Okay, that's, that's just what happens. Yeah. So they have to sort of put a cap on inflation. So based on that, if interest rates rise and these companies are struggling, if their earnings don't rise uh, in line, they could be, you know, in real dramas. They could have major issues. Uh, so, and, you know, even if you consider Tesla, a couple of years ago, Tesla had some major issues in 2018 when the market came crashing off. So it had some real issues in regards to its debt position there. So when you have a look at those sectors, it's not just a case of blindly going into the S&P 500 index and saying everything will be great. And, you know, it's over, over time and history, it has been. So what we look at doing is investing in uh, companies or sectors over there of what we call that wide moat. And the wide moat, if I use the analogy, so it's, um, you can see what I'm doing and using my hands, but I'll try and explain it. If you think of that castle that's, in, you know, that's under attack, the wider that moat is around the castle, the harder it is to penetrate it. Okay, so it's, um, so it's, you know, some of the greatest moats on in the earth was Constantinople. The amount of times that tried to be raided never happened. Uh, the Turks finally got it after about 300 years of trying. So there's lots of, uh, so, but if you have a think of that castle, the wider the moat, the harder it is to penetrate its uh, walls, basically. The next part is then, okay, so which are the companies that have that wide moat? Uh, so which are the companies, and if you think about this, for a company, a wide moat is it's protecting its earnings, the harder it is to take away its earnings. Now, it doesn't mean Facebook doesn't have competition or it doesn't mean that Microsoft doesn't have competition or Apple doesn't have competition, but it's harder to penetrate their earnings, okay, because yeah. of their size. Amazon is the classic example. If you're a threat to Amazon, they just buy you. Uh, so it, and, and that's, and that's, that's a classic example of, you know, Amazon first sold books. That was the first thing they ever sold. Now they say sell anything, anything that can be sold would be sold on Amazon basically. Um, so the basis of it is, even if you think of Amazon, how did they save money? They said, well, we've got to save money in respect to, because our shipping can be out of control. We can offer three days shipping, but if you no know, UPS or FedEx, uh, have a meltdown or go on a strike or something like that, they're held. And, you know, if, if their delivery turns up in five days, their customers don't ring FedEx. The customers ring Amazon and say, where's my book? Or where's my refrigerator? Or whatever they've actually ordered. So so the what they do, they went out and actually, and now FedEx's and UPS's greatest competition. They've got their own parcel delivery. So they have a wide moat. Um, and we know, we know Jeff Bezos has been from day one, basically putting all the profits back in the company to continually grow and grow and grow it. So there's the antitrust issues going on in the US at the moment, uh, antitrust laws uh, with some of these big techs uh, out there. But once again, let's, let's use Microsoft, a company everyone knows, everyone knows Bill Gates. We take Microsoft as that example. In 2008, when the world melted down due to corruption and fraud uh, in the financial sector, uh, Microsoft were one of the star performers. I think they're the fourth largest uh, company in the US. I don't know about the world, but most likely at that stage. Uh, companies above it were Exxon, um, IBM and uh, GE. 
when the global meltdown happened, their shares dropped 40% because everyone was panicking and flogging their index funds. Microsoft shares dropped 40%. They went from a market cap of like 330 billion in value down to about 190 uh, billion in value. But their earnings actually only dropped by uh, 4%. But their, so their top line earnings only dropped, but their profit didn't get dented that much. In saying that, other companies like GE really suffered. They had to go to Berkshire Hathaway, Warren Buffett's company, and borrow $60 billion to stay, survive. Went from being Everyone the largest more on that stage. Oh, absolutely, went from being the largest company in the world to you know potentially on the on the verge of bankruptcy, you know, having to file Chapter Four in the U.S. And that, that that's horrific for what was the largest company in the world. But they were loaning money. They had a massive loan book, but they were loaning out based on their balance sheet. Their balance sheet just drops fifty percent. That's that's a lot of problems. Uh, so everyone starts yeah. recalling their loans. That's a major issue. So what you then have. Um, in these markets is if you have a look at Microsoft, if you bought when it was valued at 330 billion and you panicked and sold when it was worth $190 billion, you missed out on that gain. And that gain to 2018 before the correction we had in 2018, $960 million. Now, we had another big drop at the last quarter of 2018. If you panicked and sold out there, you missed out on the other gain, which is now up at about $1.5 trillion. So yes, everyone loves to buy at the bottom of the market, pure luck. There's no one who can ever buy at the bottom of the market. But at the same time, if you've got good quality companies with wide moats and wide earnings, it doesn't matter if they're in the UK or it doesn't matter if they're in Australia or it doesn't matter if they're in the US, they're the companies that actually can take a hit and a downturn in the market that aren't going to be overly affected if they're not overly uh, leveraged at the same time. So that's where our strategy is and that's why I'm not panicking about whether uh, Trump or Biden win. I've got no panic either way. Yeah. I'm more uh, looking at because the companies we have, even if the market takes a hit, the companies we have will recover and will re recover very strongly. That's that's what we. That's my uh, long story short. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Tony, look, appreciate your time on that. And as you said, the email was sent out last week. And if, and if anyone wants that information, they can reach out to us if they didn't receive that email. Um, just let us know and we can put you on that list. But Tony, appreciate your time today. Um, and I'm actually kicking you off the podcast next week uh, and bringing in the Sydney yes. guys. <laughs> you don't want to hear my voice anymore, Jamie. It's understandable. No, <laughs> no some new guests. But Tony, appreciate your time. and uh, Thanks. See ya.